Welcome. You are listening to The Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm your host, Meryl Arnett, and my passion is making meditation accessible and enjoyable. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a guided meditation. If you would like to access these meditation practices as standalone audio files for your daily practice, please subscribe to my newsletter at merylarnett.com. It's free and you'll receive a new mini meditation each week, along with behind the scenes content and bonus material for each podcast episode. All right, let's grab a cup of tea, a comfy seat, and settle in for today's practice. Hello and happy May. I, I like don't even know how to start a class without being like, how is it another month? I, I know I say it every month and I should stop, but I don't know what else to say because how is it another month? Yeah, I just sat down and looked at my calendar and I was like, here is summer. Like, let's think about our summer schedule, which is wild. Um, but I'm so glad to get to start a new month with a new series. We've done two long in-depth series with the ethics and then um, the mindful living series. And we're going to, in a way, build on that series, but I hope do it in a way that maybe feels a little lighter and easier, perhaps we'll see. And we're going to be working off of some books I've read which I'm really happy to do. You know, and I was thinking about, it was very recently, like maybe the self-study class when we talked about sacred texts. And I mentioned like, it doesn't have to be an ancient sacred text. It could be, those are incredible tools to study with. But sometimes there is a book, an author, something that opens a little doorway in your brain and you're like, oh, this is interesting. I want to pay attention to this. And we start to pay attention to the way it shows up in myriad places and in ourselves and in our conversations. And this is an example of that. So every spring for the last handful of years, I have reread Braiding Sweetgrass, which I, I think I'm going to say is my all-time favorite book. That's a big statement. And I think that that's what I'm saying. I'm going to reflect on it some more, but I'm pretty sure it's my all-time favorite book. It's beautiful. And then I was gifted a book that I just started reading, which is um, the Foxfire Book of Appalachian Women. And it's narratives of women who lived, most of them, you know, a long time ago, early 1900s, most of them, in the Appalachian Mountains. It's their stories. And these books, like, sort of couldn't be more different. They are about different cultures and different landscapes and different periods of time and different ways of seeing the world and believing and moving. And yet I, I couldn't stop commenting on the fact that their stories, the arc of their stories, the theme of the narratives were the same. And I just kept seeing over and over again, like I was seeing threads of the hard work being what made for a happy life. And I was seeing threads of holding lack and abundance in the same breath, in the same hand even. And I was seeing threads of 
hardship of loss of heartache and being present for that. And then in all of them, threads of loss and grief and fear around changing landscapes and changing cultures. And I thought, I, I want to pay attention to these because they feel like these stories, which are not my stories, and yet those threads feel relevant to me too, and, and maybe to you too, and I want to pay attention to them. And so then I started thinking about, well, what are these threads and how do they show up and, and how do they show up, not just in our lives, but in our meditation practices? And so as I'm sort of making my notes, you know, I sit like with a sketch pad, big sketch pad, and I don't draw, but I write and I like make my notes and I make my lines. And when I was making words, like this word sums up this book and this word sums up this book, the words that kept showing up in the book and for me in my mind were resilience, resiliency and reciprocity. And so the theme, this, the threads that we're carrying through these next four weeks, the four weeks of May that we're meeting, we're going to be looking at these two qualities, resiliency and reciprocity. And we're going to be looking at them through several different forms of relationship, relationship that we have with the earth, relationship that we have with other people, and relationship that we have with ourselves. And so we'll start like just with some foundational definitions, I think, right? Resiliency, we've actually talked about a lot over the years. Resiliency is a big theme in meditation practice in general. I know for sure there was a summer 2020 series on resiliency. I'm pretty sure there's another one right before or after the election. I can't quite remember, but this is something that this quality or this skill is something that uh, we build, that we tap into within a meditation practice. So resiliency, like the definition, if you look it up, is the capacity to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties. The capacity to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties. Other words used were toughness. And my personal favorite, elasticity. Resilience as elasticity, the ability to bounce back, right? To lose your shape and come back into that shape. And then reciprocity, our second term, this is the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit. It's give and take. And when we think about not only tapping into, but cultivating these two qualities through our meditation practice and throughout our lives, I, I think there might be some steps. And that's what I want to do tonight is I want to introduce my proposed steps. And then we'll play with these three steps as we move forward into these myriad relationships in the next couple classes. And the first step, I think the first thing that we must do as we think about cultivating resiliency and reciprocity is acknowledging grief. Acknowledging grief, which is something that I'll speak very generally, at least in the culture that I witness, is we're really allergic to grief. 
We do not want to see it. We definitely don't want to feel it. We don't want to talk about it. And I, it was interesting because as I was writing this, I, I could see it in myself, right? Like one of the things that I actively avoid is any type of media that might make me cry. Even people who are like, oh, the movie's so good and you're going to cry, but it's like a good cry. I'm like, forget that. I don't need anything to help me cry. I don't want to watch anything sad. No, I don't want to do it. I'm scared of it. Right. And I, it, by and large, I think that's a piece of what we're saying is like, I don't want to feel that. And I want to acknowledge first and foremost that this is a part of this process of resiliency, because the minute we start to say, like, I can't handle that, what we're saying is, I can't bounce back. I'm not elastic. I don't have the resiliency to come back. And when we start to say, I'm here for this. I'm going to show up for this. What we're naming in ourselves is I am resilient. So we're naming the very quality that we are trying to cultivate. Uh, you know, we can say like, I'm sure you've experienced this. Like sometimes do you start to read an article about climate change and you're like, it's too scary. This is too scary for me to read or think about, it's too upsetting. Or you think about like going to, I don't know, a neighborhood potluck or something. And you're like, but then what if politics comes up and it's awkward or like, I realize that somebody I thought I liked, I can't like because we disagree and that's going to be so hurtful and too upsetting. And then we say this piece of me that I have disavowed from a very young age because I think it's bad. Like, I can't look at that. I can't acknowledge that. I can't work with that. It's too scary. It's too upsetting. And we are like creating this very tiny, empty room to live in where God forbid anything enter it. And the, you know, I think it's easy maybe to say, I'm not going to think about that. And Lord, I wish it worked because if it did, we could just say that and go on with our lives and not have to think about all the hard things that are happening in the world. But the truth is that doesn't work. We can say, I'm not going to think about that. And it's going to show up in our bodies. It's going to show up in our dreams. It's going to show up in the way we react to unrelated conversations. And it's going to show up in our meditation practice. Now, the beautiful thing about our practice when we've been practicing for a while is what we finally figure out. It takes all of us a different amount of time, but I know every person who sits down to meditate and sticks with it, at some point you realize, oh, it's not about getting rid of the thoughts. It's about accepting the thoughts, right? Meditation isn't a battle with our brain. Meditation is a relationship with our brain. And so we sit down and we start to figure out like all those things I said I didn't want to think about. Of course, they come out when we get still and quiet because what else is going to show up but the things we're like avoiding. 
And we learn in this practice over really safe, little repetitive practices, we learn how to say, hi, I see you. It's okay that you're here. We learn how to sit with the things that feel too scary to think about or too scary to feel. And and I don't want to gloss over the fact that that's hard and that it can be tremendously uncomfortable and that depending on the size of the fear, depending on the size of the hurt, you might need support to do that, right? It's not like we're just going to sit down and meditate all of our troubles away. You might need the support of a therapist or a counselor or a community of meditators to be with some of this stuff. You don't have to do it alone, but we do ultimately have to learn to sit down and acknowledge grief without, you know, bittersweetness like doesn't exist without the bitter. You had those moments that are, you know, bittersweetness. I love that word because I, it's a word that is unusual and I feel like it sums up a very specific feeling in your body. I just, this month, um, I lost a cousin to cancer. We had to go to her memorial service. She was young. She had teenage children. And I thought, God, I can't do it. (laughs) I cannot go to this memorial service and look her husband in the face. I cannot go and look her teenage children in the face. Like, how can I do that? And of course I did go because how could you not, right? And it was like truly a like st- an inner stealing of like, I am going to do this hard thing and it is going to be hard. And it was hard, right? It was so sad. But y'all, it was so beautiful. So beautiful. Like the stories. I mean, I feel like I know pieces about my cousin that I never knew getting to hear stories from these people in her life that I hadn't met, right? That were from these disparate parts of her life. And people showed up and told stories and her children stood up and talked. It was amazing. And it was the epitome of bittersweet, like so sad and so beautiful. And in the same breath, there was that feeling of like, how am I feeling joyful and so sad at the same time? And that was a true experience. And it leads me to what I think is the second step, which is when we do it, when we do that inner, like, this is going to be hard and I'm going to do it anyway, something in that hard work is so amazing so beautiful that I think almost without us trying, there is a moment of gratitude or appreciation. And I I mean, you might even just for a moment reflect to yourself on something you did that was hard or something that you experienced that was really tough. And was there or is there that piece that's like, I learned something about myself or I discovered a way that I 
feel or engage or something I'm capable of doing that I wouldn't have known otherwise. And there's this little moment of gratefulness, of of like awe almost for the thing that felt so hard and so scary that you just did. And so we move from acknowledging grief into this place of gratitude. I, I and not not Instagram gratitude. Not like I'm so grateful for my cup of coffee and my house or you know my cozy sot whatever it is that you like post, right? That looks lovely in a photo. It's not that gratitude. It's the gratitude of like you know, of yourself, the gratitude of your relationship with something or someone or the thing that you received or learned. Like my <laughs> my cousin loved to preserve stuff, like canned stuff, which I never knew. And I love to do that. I can stuff all the time. It's like my favorite thing to do on the weekend. And I was delighted to discover that we had this weird hobby (laughs) that we both do on the weekends. And it also, I was like, oh my God, I have these incredible preserves in the pantry. And that is what I'm going to pack up and give to her husband and her kids in the coming weeks, because I know it'll mean something to them. Right. And there was that moment of like, yes, I'm so happy that I know this thing. I'm so grateful somebody stood up and said it, right. That kind of gratitude. And then the last piece, I know I'm talking a lot, the last step from gratitude, I just named it, comes reciprocity, right? I got something. I got a connection to my cousin in that conversation, and I'm going to give some preserves to her family in honor of that connection, right? Reciprocity is the the giving back because we received something. And it doesn't have to be a physical giving of a thing. I do want to name that also. Like it could be the giving of our attention. It could be the naming of our gratitude. It could be the way that we spend our time the books that we choose to read, the conversations that we choose to have, all of this can fall into that reciprocal relationship. And so in the coming weeks, as we talk about our relationship with the earth and our relationship with others and our relationship with ourselves, we'll use these three steps of acknowledging grief moving into gratitude and then into reciprocity as I hope a bit of framework or a roadmap to kind of carry us deeper into these relationships and to cultivate these qualities of resilience and reciprocity in all of these arenas or aspects of our lives. And so tonight we'll start with just our regular meditation practice. And what I want to name is that even when we think like, I'm just doing the practice and it's not about a specific thing, right? You might have something going on in your life right now that you're like, yep, this is going to show up in my practice. I don't even have to think about it. 
And sometimes we're like lucky enough to be in a space where we're like, I'm just going to sit and meditate. And there's not a big thing weighing on my heart, which is lovely. And, and in those moments too, we're able to practice these steps, maybe even easier because it's not so charged. It's not so hard. Right. And the acknowledging grief piece you don't have to go hunting for grief. You could just acknowledge what shows up for you today. One of the students I work with in one of the recovery groups I teach in, he's, he's in a place where he's really stuck. He feels very stuck. There's no progress happening. And week after week, he's come in and he has said, I'm stuck. I hate this place that I'm in. Like, I just can't get out of this stuckness. And I feel like, you know, we've been talking and moving sort of in a circle around this feeling that he's had. And then last week, it was like, so just like, just be stuck. Stop saying, I hate it. I have to end it and just be stuck and say, oh, I'm stuck. I'm going to meditate on being stuck. And I really think like that is this piece that it that falls under the heading of acknowledging grief, right? It's a thing I don't want. I'm thinking too much. I'm uncomfortable. I feel anxious. I'm tired. Whatever the thing is, acknowledge it. Don't push it away. Acknowledge it. And then from there, let's see where gratitude grows. Yeah. Okay. Let's get ready to practice. So you'll take all the time you need. Move around in your seat, get comfortable. Set your legs the way you want them, your arms the way you want them. Lean up against the back of a chair or a wall if you'd like. Taking all the time you need to settle into a space that feels safe and supportive. And only when you are ready, when you have what you need, when you've situated your body just right, only then will you decide, do I wanna close my eyes? Or do I wanna take a soft gaze down towards the ground? And then together as a group, we'll breathe in deeply. Exhale out a sigh. And let's just do that again. Inhale deeply. Exhale out a sigh. And then allow your breath to flow. And draw all of your senses inward. And silently say to yourself, 
now is my time to meditate. Now is my time to meditate. And as you say those words to yourself, feel your attention move all the way down to the seat that you sit upon. Taking a moment to fully and consciously let your body rest in this seat. Feeling the chair or cushion rise up to support you. Allow your breath to flow. And then just in your mind's eye, imagine drawing three circles around yourself. The first circle is protecting us from all the outside noises and distractions. The second circle protecting us from all our thoughts, all our ideas. And the third circle protecting us from the stories that we believe about ourselves. as we sit inside these three circles, we make a little vow to ourselves that our mind won't cross those circles. We'll stay inside our own individual meditation huts. Allow your breath to flow smoothly and evenly. Then check in with your spine, inviting it to feel tall and awake. Gradually, we let go of the space across our foreheads. Inviting the forehead to feel smooth and broad. And letting go of the space behind the forehead. Softening the skin around the eyes the space along your temples.
Letting go along your jaw and the inside of the mouth. Softening along your neck. Across the tops of your shoulders. Down your upper arms. Lower arms, wrists, and fingertips. Feeling down through the center of your chest. Softening through all the muscles of the chest. Letting go of the muscles in the belly. Softening along your thighs, your calves, your ankles and the soles of your feet. Broadening your awareness to take in the entire seated body here. Feeling your body breathe. Feeling body as its own sacred temple. One that is well equipped to do hard things. And so we know that as we sit here and we breathe, there is nothing that we need to fight against. There are no battles to be had. There is no way to win or lose at meditation. We simply sit and feel ourselves breathing. If it helps, you might pick a specific spot in the body to feel your breath. Just inside the nose, in the throat or in the belly. 
Some of you might find that you'd rather just experience the entire body breathing. We feel our breath flowing in and out. And of course, all kinds of other things happen too. Most notably, we think thoughts and we feel feelings. And as we notice thoughts, as we notice feelings, our practice is simply to acknowledge them. To say, oh, hi, I see you. It's okay, you're welcome to be here. And then we feel our next breath in and we feel our next breath out. And in this way, we build that elasticity. We feel how we lose our shape and we come back. Let's do this now for the next seven or eight minutes. Feeling our breath and acknowledging everything else that shows up.
as you feel your breath here in this last minute I wonder if there is something in this experience that you feel gratitude toward or appreciate within yourself. Feeling yourself breathe and sit in gratitude. For the time you carved out. For what you're willing to and did experience. time you'll feel your breath deepening and you might wiggle into your fingers and your toes gradually straightening up that spine if you've slumped over at all and together we'll take one last deep breath in exhaling out a sigh Taking all the time you need to release your practice, to open your eyes if they're closed. And as you end your practice today, perhaps you'll take just a moment to journal and you'll reflect on what it would be to enter into reciprocity with what came up. How might you give back to the thought, the feeling, your experience? Yeah, you'll journal, you'll see what comes up. We'll practice again. And then next week, we'll carry these steps into this first relationship, our relationship with the earth. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others to find the show. And let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators in this world. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muskogee land and produced with the support of Madeline Day Production Management and Brianna Nielsen Virtual Assistance. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit MerrillArnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you guys next week.